Hey everybody, welcome to this week's roundup. I'm testing some new equipment this week, so let me know if you see or hear anything crazy, but it should just be business as usual. So let's jump in and see what we got going on this week. First up, some new accessories were released for the Mr. Multi system, which is essentially a case and IO board all packaged together that really makes the Mr. feel like a console. Now, looks are obviously totally preference. You could decide you'd like the way one looks over the other, that's fine. And most of the Mr. accessories and IO boards perform about the same. But I really like the way this looks. I like how it feels like a console, you know, all the outputs and back, inputs in front. And now there's some more accessories for it. The first is what they're calling a control dock. And that allows different controllers to plug through in very, very low latency. So essentially, if you have a Neo Geo style, Genesis style controller, you can plug it through this. And it'll also work on USB devices, but through Mr. it'll be guaranteed to be much lower latency. Also, it has protection in there for swapping between controllers. So you might have remembered on some older consoles, even though they have the same controller pinout, or the controller plug, it's a different pinout, and this is smart enough to realize that so you don't have to worry. Um, the other thing that they're releasing is a beige version of the Mr. Multi-System case that I guess is supposed to look like the Amiga 500 here in the US. We didn't have those, but we had older computer built into the keyboard style, old school stuff, and the beige color really is reminiscent of that. I think, at least based on the pictures, they did a pretty darn good job matching up the color tones. And lastly is something unique, and I'm really interested in trying it myself. It is a S-Video and Composite adapter that does not use Mike Simone's cores. It uses an RGB converter. And as we've tested countless times over and over, you can get very good RGB to S-Video, but RGB to Composite, I've never seen a really good output with the exception of Ivory Retro Castle's case with the variable capacitor on it. And you did have to dial that in individually with each core, but it was a pretty darn good solution. However, with Mike's code integrated into the main mister now, I'm not really sure the advantages or disadvantages of this. The main advantage I could think of is that you would be able to use this along with the VGA or RGB output, you know, the D sub connector at, and at the same time as the HDMI. So if you have an RGB monitor, a capture card, and then just an S video consumer grade TV, all three of them could work at the same time. Other than that, though, I'm not really sure what the advantages would be, and I'm dying to check it out because, you know, Richard is a great engineer. The multi-system came out great. Maybe he's got some tricks up his sleeve that the other engineers that I worked with didn't, which is, hey, you know, I hope that's the answer. But my gut is telling me 100% speculation, zero fact. My gut is telling me that S-Video is probably going to look good and composite probably not. But once again, zero fact to that, zero disrespect to the team. I obviously love the Mr. Multi-System, otherwise I wouldn't constantly talk about it. I just, I gotta be honest, it's my job to be honest, right? I can't just love everything. And for all I know, it's awesome. But you know, that's something that I would love to test and I hopefully will at some point soon. There's a whole bunch of more details here and of course links to where you can get everything. So if you own a Mr. Multi-System, uh, definitely take a look. And if you just want a controller adapter, that's a bunch of stuff built into one, you might want to look at this as well because it has the extra case to make it fit perfectly underneath the Multi-System or you could just use it externally like this. So definitely give it a look if you were looking for unique controller adapters. 
Retro Game Boys have just opened an interest checklist on a new control stick for Intellivision consoles they're calling the Intellistick. The price would be around 125 for the base model, plus you could customize it a bunch of different ways, but all that you would need is in the base model. And if you want one of these, you're going to have to sign up for the interest checklist to see if it's something that's even viable for them to do. Now, I have not had any experience directly with Retro Game Boys. However, a bunch of people have told me they loved the Vectrix controller that they did. So that obviously piqued my interest because the Vectrix is a, a weird and wonderful console and it has an interesting control stick. It's got an analog stick. So, or yeah, so I mean, it's not just a positions you could move it anywhere you would like so to be able to to build a, an arcade stick style thing for that and pull it off is a pretty big feat and you know the intellivision isn't the most popular console ever but they do have a bunch of arcade ports and fun games that would benefit from a controller that isn't absolutely terrible sorry intellivision fans you know it's not a great controller so maybe this one would be what you're looking for so you know obviously price is a factor in these things if price was super cheap i imagine a ton of people would want one but if the price was super cheap so might the build quality be. So keep an open mind. If you're a huge fan of the Intellivision and you want one of these, check out all of the different specs on it and all of the different things that they're able to do. And if you're looking to, to sign up for the interest check, it pops up automatically on their page, either just a pop-up or you could see it kind of hovering on the left. I mentioned that because if you're on a mobile device, I'm not sure how that's going to work, but give it, a, uh, give it a look and see if you're interested. Overall, I think it's pretty cool. And if I was a big Intellivision fan, I certainly would pick one these up. This week's roundup is once again sponsored by JLCPCB, and if you've never used their service before and you sign up using the code that we have in the description of every place that you could find this, you get about $50 coupon in order to use on your first purchase, which I think is absolutely awesome because I'm happy to do these ads. I've been using them for years for long before I did the ads on them. I've talked about this a million times, how they're a service I use. I talk about them in videos that are not sponsored because I do actually use them, but I love the fact that I could kind of give back to you all. So if you don't have an account there yet, it's free to sign up. You can get a coupon to make some of your first orders. And I think this is just a very cool thing. Um, you know, I've been working well with them for just a, over a year now, I think. And they've always supported the ads that I've done, which is such a huge thing because a lot of companies don't want you to show mistakes. They want you to give the illusion that their website or service is flawless in every way, but we're nerds. Nothing's flawless. I love showing the mistakes that I make. I love showing the differences between when I make a mistake versus bugs you might run into and how to fix them. Because it's not airing dirty laundry, it's showing all of you how to use their service more efficiently. And they've been 100% supportive this entire time and I just wanna thank them for it. And hopefully get to thank any of you who haven't used their service yet by offering this coupon code. So please check out their website, sign up using that code for free and get yourself a coupon and I'm going to continue back next week and hopefully work on continuing that flex cable video because I think that's going to be a fun new service where anybody that can get flex cables and retro uh, now you have another place to get them and if it's as good quality as their other services I think we're all in for we're all in for a treat so thank you to JLC PCB and thank you all for continuing to listen to these sign up with the code below and get yourself a coupon Stone Age Gamer is now selling the latest version of Sega Sonic's fans' Virtual Boy Ribbon Replacement Kit. And this is something that every Virtual Boy owner will probably have to run into at some point if they haven't already. Those ribbon cables dry out and you get flickery 
video in one eye and then it eventually just goes out altogether. So this makes it easier to replace. I don't know if I would call it easy, but it's certainly easier than trying any of the methods of restoring the original ribbon. And you could either purchase the kit for 45 or Stone Age Gamer is offering installation services for 125, which includes the kit does not include chipping, obviously, but I think that's a pretty fair price for something like this. So if you own a Virtual Boy, you might want to take a look at this just in case and kind of consider it, even if yours isn't having problems, because it almost definitely will very soon. Uh, also, um, there was an installation video that was recently posted that seemed pretty cool that I added here. Um, so if you want to, if you want a video walkthrough of how you could use this kit, I would check that one out. And if you'd also like to see all the other cool things available for the Virtual Boy, I would check out at least the first 15 minutes of a live stream I did with Kevin Malott. The live stream's long because we also showed a bunch of gameplay footage, so don't let that long length freak you out. 15 minutes is all you need for the basic overview of accessories. And I would definitely add this to the list of what you would need because without it you're probably not going to be using your virtual boy anytime soon. Fixel has just opened an interest checklist for a CDI optical drive emulator. That's right, a CDI ODE. All nine of us CDI fans have been asking for this for a long time, and now we get to really see how many CDI fans are out there. If enough people show interest, Fixel will be able to make one. Uh, if not, I'm not sure if the project would be feasible. So if you own a CDI, now's the time to step up. We need a couple of things. First of all, you need to know what version of your CD mechanism you have. And I linked to a bunch of different websites that I found. Shout out to the CDI Discord who helped with that. Uh, and that might be able to help you determine which one you have so that Fixel will know, is there one main one people want? Would he have to make a bunch of different versions? But either way, I would, I would take this one seriously. Also, this should be able to be used at least on non-top loader versions. This should be able to be installed and used alongside the original CD drive, which means not only would this be a no-cut mod, it would still retain all original functionality for that true CD interactive multimedia experience. So this is a this is pretty awesome. This is a pretty big deal, and I think that if you have a CDI, at least a non-top loader version, you should definitely check which version you have, jump on the interest checklist, and really take this one seriously. Now, the top loader, I'm not sure if there would be able to, or if this would be able to be installed on that one, but I'm 99.9% sure that you couldn't have the original drive and this. But at the very least, any of the front loaders are supported, you know, especially the big boxy ones. Uh, same thing with the portable CDI. I doubt that one's going to be supported just because there's no room in there. But the main ones that most people own, this should be compatible with it. So this is pretty cool. This is pretty exciting. And uh, I think it's, I don't know, it's just, it's such a weird console, but it's also getting harder and harder to burn images and burn CDs and have your lasers be compatible. So if, uh, if you're a fan of the weird old CDI, now's the time. The Wii to HDMI analog to digital converter from Electron Shepard is now back in stock. And we need to talk about why you would want one of these or why not as well, of course. Uh, first and foremost, why would you want something like this over one of those $6 AliExpress ADCs that you could find? And there are two very important reasons. The first is lag. This is simply an analog to digital converter. It outputs just like as if you had bought a set of shielded HD retrovision cables going through a good quality analog to digital 
external DAC or uh, external ADC box. So there's no latency added. There's no scaling whatsoever. It just takes in what it gets and spits it out and in all the right ways. Whereas a lot of those cheap ones you see scale to 1080p and those will almost definitely, I mean, I, I would bet 99.9%, .9 if not more, that they're going to add a bunch of lag because they're just using cheap off-the-shelf chips that can be installed in there, not really designed for gaming. But also consistency. When you buy those cheap devices, you might get something that works, you might not. You could buy 10 of them from the same seller and you might get a couple of different versions and who knows if any of them work. And you don't want to spend your money on something that you just end up with a junky output. And who knows how some of these things are manufactured. When you get it that cheap, there's certainly no quality testing on these. So you wouldn't want to plug something in and short your Wii out. Now, I understand that this is four times the price, but we're still talking about 30 bucks, including shipping. So if you want a very easy to use, small plug and play HDMI solution for your Wii, I would absolutely get this one over the $6 ones, no problem. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that it would almost always be the better product and worth the extra money. Now, why would you not want one of these? Well, if you already own good quality shielded component video cables like the original Nintendos, the HD Retrovisions, some random monster cable, then <clears throat> you might want to just pick up an analog to digital converter and just go from there. Um, I think if you have multiple displays, so let's say you're going into a CRT and you're going into a flat panel, that would probably be a better idea. No disrespect to Electron Shepard, just calling it like it is here. Um, and, you know, that way you could also have multiple consoles going through if that's what you would want. A very quick aside, why would you want an HDMI signal if your TV has component video inputs? For some crazy reason, every TV I've ever tested has more lag. Every uh, OLED or um, LCD, not plasma TV I've tested, has more lag through the component video inputs and in any of the analog inputs than through the HDMI. It's very strange. I don't really understand why. Um, but, you know, the, that being said, what other consoles are you connecting? If you have a Wii, an original Xbox, an N64, or something else, you might really want to go with a RetroTINK 5X to get that scaling to 1080p or above, and then you could just pick up a component video switch and have everything running through that. So that's certainly a reason. Or what if the Wii is your absolute favorite console? Then you might want to get one of the internal mods that Electron Shepard also happens to sell. And there's also the, uh, I don't think that any other ones are in stock at the moment. So, so there you go. I, I certainly never mind putting up competition, but I also don't mind putting up competition when it's the same company. So uh, I linked to all of that stuff in here, but basically, you know, I just wanted to make it clear because a lot of times people, I just hear people say things and I might say them too, if I wasn't in the loop of this stuff, but well, that's dumb. Why would I spend $24 plus shipping on something when I could just get it with free shipping for six bucks? And it's, I wanted to be very clear as to why, because there is a difference here. And, you know, I guess if you have a bunch of Wii's and you're just trying to do some quick work, uh, maybe get one of the cheap ones, but I certainly wouldn't. And the only, for me personally, it would really be, do I get this or am I going to be using the component video cables on something else so that I could get a different kind of digitization solution, whether it's a scaler or something else. But anyway, all the details are in the post and uh, links to everything, of course, are right here.
Tito from Macho Nacho Productions recently posted a video about the Game Boy Pocket SP, which is essentially Game Boy Pocket modded to be a foldable design like the GBA SP. This was a design by Allison Parrish, and I thought it was very, very cool looking. Um, this is just one of those things where, you know, of course, if you just want to be able to play Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games, get an SP or get any of the other kits that are out there, but it's not why people do things like this. You know, it's saying something like that is exactly like saying, why would you restore an old car? Just go lease a Hyundai or something. Like we do these things because we want to, because they're fun. So if you want to see kind of a technical project and slash art piece or whatever you want to call it, I don't know. I thought the video was great and I, I really thought it was just kind of a fun and unique design. So if, uh, if you're into weird stuff like this, like I am definitely give the video a shot because I just, I don't know, I thought this was fun. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, Care of Lou from Lou's Retro Source. As usual, I'm going to skim through these, and if you hear anything that piques your interest, please check out Lou's video. So let's just go right through. First up, um, there's now a Twitter thread that documents the development progress of the Jalico Mega System 1 Arcade Core, and it highlights developments on decrypting ROM files, identifying errors and titles. It's very cool if you like the inside info for stuff like that. Kind of a fun, silly one. The Mystex project now has an official logo, which is kind of like a modified version of the Mr. Cat with googly eyes. I love it. Also, really happy to hear that project still going. Next up, Jimmy Stones has made a bunch of posts this month regarding a core for Juno First, which is a 1983 Konami shooter. There's some technical details that have been mentioned, um, and but there's nothing available at the moment, at least, for download. Uh, next up, the Mr. Discord Game Challenge is celebrating the release of Wickerwaka's IRM M92 core. So the game to play is R-Type Leo, and it's a single credit challenge. All scores must be submitted to the Game Challenge channel on the Discord server. Are people participating in that? That sounds like a whole bunch of fun, but are people jumping in? Is that starting to be a thing? Is there a, you know, a centralized place to get the results? I'd kind of love to hear everybody else's thoughts on that. But moving along... The core for the Atari System 1 has received some updates that make some games playable. It still hasn't been officially released, but it could be downloaded from GitHub, and it could currently play a bunch of games, including Marble Madness with the stick, not a trackball. By the way, if you were like me and you grew up with Marble Madness with just a gamepad controller, the first time you actually go and use a trackball, it's the biggest oh moment that you could imagine like oh i get it now i'm rolling the ball around i never knew that so i was an adult before i realized the i never saw the arcade cabinet in person so i was a, an adult before i realized that was a thing uh, robert is still working on the n64 software emulator that will eventually turn into the fpga core i just wanted to double down and remind everybody that any screenshots and footage that you see are still in the software emulation cycle which is not a good or bad thing it's just a progress update so i just want to make sure people don't think there's some beta core floating around yet it's not quite there um Next, Hotego gave an update on work regarding games uh, on regarding games running on the Konami CPU. Uh, it looks like it's moving along, and work on the Simpsons PCB, PCM audio chip had started, which is awesome. Also, Hotego is going back to developing the Neo Geo Pocket Core and has already designed a number of subsystems. So the team's currently focused on linking those together. Uh, and there's also some work being done on the System 18 and Legacy cores. 
Next, Mr. Add-on showed off the latest version of the RF adapter, and it still needs the audio trap built in. So version 3 will add stereo to mono downmixing and include a channel switch. So this is cool. I think, um, I think more people might benefit from this that you might think, you know, when you first hear about it. Because you think RF and you're like, eh, but, you know, there's a lot of really good TVs out there that only have an RF input, so... Uh, and also, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles core from Furtech is coming along pretty well. The build hasn't been made freely available, but you could build the core yourself if you go to the GitHub page. The game is running, but without sound. But that's awesome. That's the Turtles core running. So, very exciting stuff. Um, so, as usual, thank you so much to Lou for doing all of this. I could never keep up with all of this myself. So, please subscribe to Lou's channel and uh, check out the post if you want to see any of this in a written form. GameTech is now selling a high-quality power supply replacement for the Nintendo 64 that, if you choose the proper external brick, it should also be compatible with worldwide power. So there's a few things to note. The first piece, the power supply itself, if you wanted to, you could gut your existing N64 power supply. Let's say that's completely blown and it's, you've tried fixing it, there's no way to fix it. You could then use that plastic shell, mount this inside, and... So you'd still need the external brick, but you would have everything you need right there for a completely stock look. If for whatever reason you don't have the original power supply or you would like to keep it or whatever else, there is an insert, a clear insert that snaps right in. You don't need any disassembly. All you would need to do is screw in the input port and then you push the power supply right up against the N64's pins snap this plastic piece in place, and you're done. I tr uh, tried one out myself. I thought it looked awesome. I think if you're having one of those clear Trogtech N64 cases, this might be a perfect companion to it. Uh, and that's a little bit of an extra cost as well. So it's 55 if you need the clear plastic. And the power supply, I strongly recommend getting the one that we have linked here. Uh, if you're you live in a place where this Amazon link isn't going to do you any good, that's fine. But you know, maybe you could just look up the model number and try to get it near you because it's 20 bucks and it is a high quality PSU. The thing about internal power supply replacements in the case of the N64, it's external, but internal in the shell. Um, the thing about that is you're still relying on AC to DC power conversion. And if you buy a crappy external brick, it's just as bad as buying a bad power supply. So you would kind of just want all of these. Now, if you think, I guess it would be 75 total uh, if you needed the, the clear insert as well. If you think that's too much and you don't need international power, I get it. Try re repairing your original PSU though, because I went on to try to find an alternative just to say like, hey, maybe this one isn't as good, but pick it up here if you want a cheaper one. And the ones that I saw were horrifying. I saw pictures of people taking them apart and they just looked like total garbage. So if it, it would be my personal choice that if I had to pick... I would either use this one, especially if I needed international power, that's a perfect solution, or I would rebuild an original. I would not trust my N64 with some $8 thing that who knows the parts that are in that. So that, you know, that's my strong opinion that's based on years of being burned with power supplies. I actually don't mean that one literally, but uh, so I just kind of wanted to impress upon once again, don't mess around with power supplies. Only bad things could happen. And the worst part is you could use it for months and go, oh, you know, that Bob is exaggerating. There's no power issues. And then one day you turn on your console and it's dead and you didn't realize you were slowly killing it the whole time. So 
just you know take the warning seriously do whatever you feel is right but at the very least if you're looking for an international psu this is definitely the one to get so check out the link the pictures and everything you would need right here I just finished a live stream with Lewis from Says Retro where we did some lag testing, and one of the components we tested was the Retrobit Big 6 USB controller. So the Big 6 controller is the size and shape of a Genesis 3-button controller, but it's got six buttons in it. And it performed fine. It was about six milliseconds of latency, varying between 2.9 and 11.6, which performed almost identical to their six-button Genesis 2 controller. So I would be saying, hey, this is good, definitely go out and buy one, but there is one thing that really bugs me about this. Retrobit's own Genesis 8-button controller and their Saturn USB controller, so all these are just the USB controllers, averaged one millisecond of lag. So why wouldn't they just use the same USB chipset in all of their controllers. Now, yes, I know, I'm, I'm splitting hairs here. 99.99% of every gamer, pro gamer included, will not be able to tell the difference between averaging two point, or yeah, averaging one and averaging six milliseconds of latency. There's very few chances of your moves landing in that, in that lag window that would affect your performance. But it's not about that. It's, they already did it. We're not asking them to develop all these crazy new products. Just take the thing that already worked perfect and put it in a different shell. So I don't I don't understand why that is. If anybody knows any of the devs from Retrobit, I'd love to know why. Are they even making their controller or are they making the controller molds and then just buying their USB chipsets from from some generic company and putting them in? I, I have no idea what, what's up with that, but that was pretty disappointing. Um now, this post just went up right before I started recording this, so it's not on the Mr. Add-ons latency sheet yet. Uh, we have the link to our Google Doc results. Hopefully, Pork would be able to get that up on the Mr. Add-ons latency sheet as soon as possible, uh, but I've linked to both of those right here. Um, the only other thing I wanted to note is when I first heard about this controller, I saw where the start button was positioned kind of by the X and Y, and I thought, is it going to be easy to, to hit that by accident? And no, I didn't spend a lot of time with it, but I had to go out of my way to hit the start button, as you should. That's a good thing. And I just, I can't envision a scenario in which I'm accidentally pressing start in the middle of a match. So they did a great job with that. Definitely props to that one. Um, if you want the details as to how we came up with these numbers, you could watch the live stream, but I'm always very honest in that that was a long live stream that there was a bunch of technical issues. I reversed some wires on the test chain. We tried to do a bunch of other stuff. So if you like nerdy stuff like that, go ahead, but please don't watch it. <laughs> don't watch it, uh, you know, because you think there's some hidden info in there. You know, the, the results of the lag test stream were basically what I just said, plus the Jamix with the Rev 2 with the latest firmware that I tried averages, um, I think it was two and a half milliseconds of latency, which is awesome. That's in the, in the confines of an arcade machine, that's zero, right? There is no 2.5 milliseconds affecting your game period end of story so that's that is absolutely awesome and another quick follow-up on the jamix um almost all the issues i found have been fixed and it turns out the speakers i was using were eight ohm which could be why they were a little bit quieter i think if i swap those out to four ohm speakers i might get the the volume back but jamix is great i'll do a, a much more in-depth review on it once ultimate mister gets them back in stock and stuff like that i want to wait till there's actually stock to buy but i'll, I'll do a more in-depth rating on that 
Um, and also I've been messing around with another camera, uh, which could also do thousand or 960 frame per second lag test, depending if you're PAL or NTSC. That's the other thing I'm testing right here. If you're curious as to why I'm messing with cameras again. Uh, so I'll be doing another review on that at some other point in the future, but I just kind of wanted to bring everybody as quickly as I could up to speed on. But so basically what I just said is the entire live stream. So don't watch it unless you just feel like hanging out with Lewis and I and, you know, swearing and being silly like he and I always do because I have fun on these streams. So yeah, back to the big six though. I liked it. I don't think six milliseconds is something you have to worry about. I just wish Retrobit would use the stuff that they've already used to get it down to one millisecond. Pre-orders are now open for the Mega Man Battle Network 3 vinyl soundtrack. The price is about $30 with the release being scheduled for the end of this year. And there's a few different editions, including a limited edition. So this post came in right before I was done recording. Uh, we wanted to make sure to get it out in case you were into the limited editions. I didn't want it to wait till next week. But there's a bunch of very cool designs here. So if you like collecting vinyl, if you like listening to retro soundtracks or... If you like looking at cool pictures and neat stuff, check out Crystal's post and there's links to sellers all over the world that should be that should be good enough for most people. But yeah, I definitely love these vinyl releases and you know, I just think it's one of those things, respectfully, where you either really care or you don't. I think both is totally cool, but we're still gonna keep talking about them here because I think they're pretty neat. I recently did a live stream with Lou from Lou's Retrosource where we demoed using a GunCon 3 on the Mister. And this is a really interesting project because this allows light gun support on any display. Now I used a CRT because I'm me, but you could use it on anything, a projector, a flat panel, a CRT, whatever. And I didn't get great results. And after we were done with the stream, a few people were kind enough to comment and say that one factor in the accuracy is those gun con emitters need to be a very specific distance apart not at the ends of your tv but a very set distance from each other and they need to be mounted in a very specific way and i tried messing with different mounting so i don't really know but i think we need to keep working on this and keep testing it because i just i think light gun games are so much fun but one of the things that i've run into with the mister is enabling snack always takes three or four tries and you know i would be the first to admit maybe i'm a moron and just keep making mistakes because that's fine that happens but i've been using snack since it was first released and it's never just worked you have to enable re-enable maybe reboot try again and that's just not you know that kind of sucks the fun out of an experience you got a couple friends over it's like hey you want to play you know lethal enforcers i can even get the pink gun we could play together oh awesome all right hold on let me all right wait let me reboot it Oh, it worked yesterday, I promise. And how many of us nerds have had that happen where our friends are like, yeah, it worked yesterday. Sure it did, buddy. So it's just, you know, I like things to be as smooth as possible. And using the original snack with original light guns takes a while to get going. And using the GunCon 3 wasn't super accurate. But I hope that we could move forward and kind of figure out a good way to do it. Um, you know, maybe we could have everything measured out. Maybe we can have other people test. Maybe there's a way to, to figure out if there's a latency thing, or maybe the solution is to have a custom light gun just for Mr. So something like the Sindon light gun, or actually the gun for IR is probably something that's more suited for this, where you just set up your sensors, you plug it into the Mr. and the code is all designed for the Mr. That way we could lower latency. I guess you could use that with Raspberry Pi stuff too, but I don't know. I'd love to hear everybody else's thoughts on this one, but 
for me personally, I would say I'm going to keep testing and I have very high hopes, but GunCon 3 via Mr. is not how I'm going to be playing my light gun games now. But I do think that there's a lot of room for this thing to grow. So as always, thanks to Lou for helping out with that. It certainly made the stream go a heck of a lot smoother, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let me know what you think and check out the live stream if you want. Once again, it's long, it's real time, step by step. Um, but overall, that's kind of my final thoughts on it. And I just wanted to share them here. Well, that's it for this week. As always, thanks so much to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to everybody who supports in any way possible, because it's you who is keeping everything going. All of the behind the scenes research and development, all the work I do on other projects, and of course, the podcast, the videos, the live streams, it's all you. So thank you all so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, and I'll see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.